You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is a not-so-cool statistic about common prescriptions. Studies of about 550 different pharmaceutical drugs showed that about 35% of them damage your mitochondria. And mitochondria are the batteries or the power plants in your cells. And if you damage those with drugs, it's a really serious concern. And you're unlikely to see warnings about this on the label. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. All right. Today's guest is someone who I'm really honored to have on the show, and his name is Dr. Bill Sears. And unless you live under a rock, you might have heard of him because He's a highly respected pediatrician, practicing medicine for more than 40 years. He's written 45 books on parenting, nutrition, and wellness. He runs the Dr. Sears Wellness Institute, and he's talked pretty much on every TV show you can think of. Uh, he's, uh, geez, <laughs> it, it's hard to introduce him because he's been everywhere. What I like about Dr. Sears' work is that he talks about positive behavioral changes for people, but also particularly for kids and families. And it's science-backed, simple strategies. And he's also recovered from colon cancer 20 years ago. 
So he went from having uh, this focus on what's happening with families to what's going on with the system of humans. And he's got a new book called The Inflammation Solution that covers his health hacks. The Inflammation Solution is something you should read if you've read The Bulletproof Diet. And if you haven't, shame on you. You listen to Bulletproof Radio and you haven't read the most distilled knowledge I could make for you. So pick up your copy of The Bulletproof Diet while you're at it. But also pick up The Inflammation Solution by Bill Sears because we're both going to tell you the same thing. Inflammation is what matters. It matters more than almost anything else. And I'll also tell you from writing Headstrong, guess what causes inflammation? Mitochondrial dysfunction. You can't have inflammation without mitochondrial dysfunction or at least damage or stress. So that's what he manages in 40 years of medical practice, way more experience than I have, but his conclusion is valid and real and you totally need to hear from him. So Bill, welcome to the show. It's really an honor to have you on. Well, thank you, Dave. It's an honor to be here. And, and we, you know, when I read your book, Bulletproof Diet, that is the closest book to my Inflammation Solution book I have ever read. So we are on the same channel, and thank you very much. It's an honor to be your guest. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm amazed to hear that, and that, <laughs> that bodes well for the approach. Because, I mean, honestly, I've taken a lot of flack for saying it's okay to eat fat. And, and I feel like the tide is turned. I, I'm about to give a talk uh, this week at the largest natural food show. This is where all the food manufacturers go to figure out what's coming next. And I'm giving mm -hmm. a keynote address, and, and the title of it is Fat is Back. And yes. I, I'm, because here's, here's, and this is neat on Google, you can actually see searches for high fat are now higher than low fat. Like they crossed over about two years ago where people are actually searching for high fat foods. Like, mm -hmm. like maybe, maybe your 40 years of tireless toil on this has made a difference. Well, you know, absolutely, Dave, that fat is back and it should never have gone away. The absolute worst dietary advice we've ever gotten in the whole world is low-fat diets. Yeah. Now, what, what I realized years ago, that when so-called science blocks common sense, suspect shaky science. And that whole <laughs> yes. low-fat stuff was based on shaky science. And what really got me into it is uh, mother's milk. All right, let's begin. Mother's milk is 50% fat. Dr. Mother Nature doesn't make a mistake. <laughs> So I first thought as a pediatrician, why is mother's milk half fat? Hmm, a high fat milk. Well, what is the number one organ that's, that's affected for better or worse by nutrition? The brain. Yes. And the brain is 60% fat. And the way I get my patients to, to pay attention, I says, we're fat heads. We're <laughs> all fat heads. Mom, you are growing a little fat head. They need a right fat diet, not a low fat diet. So I'm so happy that we agree that fat is back and I don't think it'll ever go away again. Calling it a right fat diet is really cool too because there's this, uh, there's this problem where, oh, high fat diets are okay, great. Like let's load you up with some highly processed soy and milk protein isolate <laughs> and let's throw in some canola and some corn and cottonseed oil and you're off to the races. Oh. That, that can be even a ketogenic high fat diet, but man, yeah. you're not going to like what happens to you or your babies if you're at childbearing that, that, age. Absolutely. In fact, the, the first foods, remember the old days we started babies on rice cereal, the first food? Yeah. Up, down. There's no fat in rice cereal. And plus, We're they can't digest starch for, like for the I first know, year. Just, 
Babies just just fart it out. It's not okay. (laughs) You're right. They do. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I've seen that. that We have eight children, as you know. So we've changed a lot of diapers. But so the first first food we start, we start babies at six months. I have the fathead talk with my mom. I said, now we'll start on avocados as a first food. Yes. Avocados at six months. And guess what? At seven months, the number one food for inflammation and the brain, and it swims in the sea, and it's pink, salmon. And I have a little sign in my office, (laughs) salmon at seven months. And the moms look at me and say, really? I've never heard of that. Yeah. So avocados at six months, salmon at seven months. And I'm I'm guessing it's wild-caught, probably sockeye salmon, not the farm salmon? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Wild yeah. salmon. And, and, you know, Dave, I, 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 uh, we have a lot, lot in common. I learned so much from Dr. Mother Nature, yeah. my most trusted scientist. Now, I, I didn't know a lot about fish, but I realized it had to be healthy for you. When, when like you did, uh, I, I had to own, uh, undergo a real health change to yeah. save my life. So I went to, to go fishing in Alaska. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there. I'm watching these these salmon and they're not that pink as they start out but when they start their final marathon uphill for four miles they get pinker and pinker and pinker so i asked my favorite fisherman up there his name's randy hartnell and he runs <laughs> vi- uh, he, he, his, his uh, fish is a vital choice, vital he choice runs it, and right. i love it and he um i said uh, randy why are salmon pink so he said well Suppose you're a marathon runner and you're running uphill for four miles. By the time you got up up the top of the hill, you'd have arthritis, your muscles would oxidative stress, you'd have inflammation everywhere. So Dr. Mother Nature says, hey, Salmon, stop by our little pharmacy here, (laughs) F-A-R-M, pharmacy here, (laughs) and I'll infuse into you a natural pink pigment called astaxanthin. Yes. Astaxanthin is Mother Nature's most powerful, powerful antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. Otherwise, the, the, the salmon's muscles would fall apart. And, and I said, wow, you know, if it's good for salmon, could it be good for humans? So I took a trip over to Hawaii for, uh, when they had the, the Hawaiian Marathon. And I see, wow, these marathon runners... They pop a pill of Hawaiian astaxanthin before their race. And so I learned so much for salmon, from salmon, and I brought that information back to my medical practice. And one of the two words I always tell all the patients at every age, go fish. Go (laughs) fish. Very simple. (laughs) For breakfast this morning, my seven and nine-year-old had... Uh, grass-fed butter uh, pieces Ooh. wrapped in a wild-caught, cold-smoked sockeye salmon. Oh, wow. Uh, with, what a... With avocado slices. Good. So they, it's wow. lots, lots of salt because, well, salt a, in the morning is good for you. <laughs> a good brain start. And, and you yeah. know, Dave, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because when, when parents come into my office, I say, oh, welcome. What brings you here? Well, the school says Johnny has ADD or ADHD. <laughs> Well, now, I can tell a little bit by reading your books. You and I have that in common. We probably had the label of ADHD, like a hyperactive oh, yeah. kid. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I said, well, what would you have for breakfast? Well, you know, the 
all the stuff and the colored stuff and the high carbs and low fat and all that. Fruity pebbles, yeah. Yeah, that stuff. And I say, Johnny doesn't have ADD. He has NDD, nutrition deficit disorder. I thought you were going to say salmon deficiency disorder, but I... (laughs) Yeah, salmon, yeah, like salmon deficiency. And and I said, you send him off to school with junk food, and you get junk learning, and you get junk behavior. But what you just said for your nine-year-old, wow, a a smart diet, we call it, and and a a great smart diet. Thank you. We have a couple uh, of vegans uh, my kids go to school with, and their parents will give them an apple for breakfast. And these poor kids come into school, and they can't make it for an hour and a half before their brains are all over the place. And then the whole class has to stop so they can have their, you know, their 10 a.m. snack. And it's like, really? Like my kids go oh. four hours without eating because they ate enough and they ate enough fat. It, it's it's kind of uh, it kind of makes I, me yeah, sad. Right. And 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 the school teachers don't get it. So yeah. in fact, um, we have a, we have a whole book on on fat, and that's called the omega-3 effect. Mm -hmm. And I realized that was one of the problems in schools. And there's fascinating research. I know you're a show-me-the-science person, too, as I am. And I think our readers deserve science-based information. And there is solid science out there that you start your child off to school with a smart breakfast they're going to do much better. And I tell my patients uh, four smart foods to give your children. Seafood, mainly wild salmon. Mm-hmm. Blueberries. Blueberries are called the brain berry. Yep. And greens and nuts. An easy way to remember, go fish, go blue, go greens, and go nuts. <laughs> you are a master after having written 45 <laughs> books at making things memorable. <laughs> Question on nuts. Raw or yes. roasted? Which way? Uh, raw. Okay. The, 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 we do agree more, on a lot of things, don't we? <laughs> we should. Well, you know, don't mess with Mother Nature. Yeah. She's got a lot more experience than we do. It's uh, it, it's true, and I I'm all over hacking things. And and what I found is you can you, your body is designed to respond to the environment around you. Yeah. So you can change the signal. And let Mother Nature respond to the new signal you put in, but you're not going to do well by changing the building blocks of your body. You can't eat aluminum and have aluminum skin. It, like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I love, I love your term biohacker. It's the first book I've ever read that uses that term. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, t- shall we say, technologically challenged. So <laughs> I had to ask my techie. Uh, kids what hacker meant and everything. And I realized that when I was making my health transformation, I realized somewhere in our body, we have got to have a pharmacy. Yes. Because the designer of our body, if you were making the greatest machine in the world, the brain and the body, you would know that we're going to mess it up. (laughs) We're humans. So, to prevent that, preventive medicine, you would put inside our body a pharmacy that makes most of the medicines we're ever going to need. And that discovery actually won the Nobel Prize. And I remember 20 years ago when I was undergoing my, my transformation, I invited the Nobel Prize winner who discovered the pharmacy, Dr. Lou Ignaro, down to our home for dinner. 
and he was teaching me about the pharmacy. So I said, I got to make this simple. So if, if, if our, our listeners can have a mental image now, I'm going to take you inside your body and show you where in the world of your body is your pharmacy. And it's the lining of your blood vessels called the endothelium. It's yep. the biggest organ of the body that people never heard of half of them. The lining of your blood vessels, I call it the silver lining, <laughs> has trillions. There's a picture now, a little, a little mental picture, trillions of microscopic medicine bottles. They actually look like tiny little squirt bottles under a microscope. You know, squirt bottles. And those squirt bottles, 24-7, squirt medicines into your bloodstream. Medicines that lower the highs, like high blood sugar, high blood pressure, high blood cholesterol. Medicines that uh, raise the lows, like antidepressants. Medicines that mellow your moods, anti-anxiety medicines. Medicines that heal your hurts, anti-inflammatories. Medicines that keep your blood from clotting too fast, anticoagulants. So I just mentioned most of the medicines we take at all ages. But we can make them. And the pills you make inside are better than the pills you take because they're custom made just for you. They come out the right dose at the right time. So that is what I could say, I hope it's correct. Let's biohack and open our natural pharmacy. Uh, very well said. The, the idea of hacking, and I actually was a computer security professional <laughs> in my former <laughs> life. Uh, but the idea of hacking is you need to take control of a system, yes. but you don't know much about it because it's not yours. And it turns out we don't know that much about our bodies. We know more than we used to, but there's still a lot of mysteries in there. So you can still take control of it without knowing everything. You just need enough to get in, right? Mm -hmm. And if, what you're describing there, if you imagine, if you're going to inject something, you inject it into your blood, right? So it, it would make sense if you were evolving a system like the body that, well, why have just one spot for injection, just line the arteries so they can put things into circulation quickly. And exactly. It, endothelial damage is, is something, by the way, you know what fried foods do. Uh, oh, they fry your arteries, right? <laughs> they, they do. And, and it's, it's one of those things, you could smoke a cigarette or you could eat a bunch of fried food. Which one would you pick? Yeah, well, you know, actually, I think the fried food's probably better, uh, worse for you. Yeah, see, I, uh, but I, I it do too. <laughs> it is for you because I'll tell you why. Let me go back into the pharmacy and, and get that mental picture yeah. of those little squirt bottles lining your arteries. Well, when you eat that big burger or that fried chicken, oh, yum, that fried chicken, it goes into your bloodstream and it spikes. Now, spikes is the bad word and, and it for inflammation. It spikes inflammation, Spike. okay. Spikes, 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 spikes. Avoid spikes. Now, avoid sticky stuff spikes. That's how I make it simple for my patients in the office. I say, Joe, man, you're loaded with sticky stuff, and I got to measure it. So when that, that fried stuff called sticky stuff gets into your blood, it lands on top of the medicine bottles, and your pharmacy is closed. So every time you get that big burger and that fried chicken, the sticky stuff, picture, I'm getting sticky stuff on the top of my medicine bottles. Now, I 
sticky stuff. <laughs> is it is it fibrinogen, like clotting factors you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, uh, fibrinogen, um, hemoglobin A1C, homocysteine, oxidized cholesterol. Oh, so markers uh, of inflammation, basically. The markers, exactly. Okay. The, the, just markers is, a, I, I call it, my for the kids, I call it sticky stuff. And so, in fact, I was given a talk one day at a, at a uh, preschool, at a school, a first grade class. Mm-hmm. And they, I was talking about, don't put, st- if you put sticky stuff in your mouth, you get sticky stuff on top of your medicine bottle. Six-year-olds <laughs> now. Okay. So that night, um, uh, mom took uh, the kids, uh, the, the, some of the class out for, out for um, let's call it sticky burgers, okay, <laughs> out to a burger joint to sticky burgers. And as they pulled in, the six-year-old scolded her daddy. <laughs> says, Daddy, we can't eat that. If you put sticky stuff in your mouth, you get sticky stuff on top of your medicine bottles. Oh my goodness! Six Kid, years of age. Kids actually want to eat to be to be powerful when you show them what it's for. Oh, now, with, they love with it. With burgers, I'm assuming if you take off the bun and all the other crap they put on them, and you're just eating high quality beef, the story changes. It does. Yes. Oh, okay. In fact, I just wanted to uh, double check for listeners going. I can't eat any hamburger meat. Not we eat a lot of hamburger meat, but I know the cow it came from. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You took the you took the burger words right out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. Just checking there. You had me scared for a minute. I'm like, no, really? it's anti burger. End of interview. Beef, just kidding. <laughs> beef is good. Okay. We we badmouth beef because of what they do to it. Ah. So. So I'm going to have a little confession here uh, for our listeners. Uh, once or twice a month, I have a nice, big, juicy venison burger. Wild game. My, uh, my consultation fee for someone in Wisconsin or Pennsylvania, <laughs> my two favorite deer states are, I get some venison in the mail. So I love my venison little venison burger and a, a glass of Zinfandel sipped slowly. And wow. But if I don't know the farmer, if I don't know the farm the beef came from and how that farmer cared for that beef, I won't eat it. And I tell my patients not to eat it if you don't know yeah. where it came from. It, you have to be religious about your beef my yeah. my beef here, I, I live on an organic farm on Vancouver Island. So the salmon swim right. about a 10-minute walk behind the camera. <laughs> and oh, the wonderful. cows that I eat, eat the grass from the two acres on the front of my property. They come and they cut the grass down and give it to the cows. It's not all they eat. They eat other grass right. from other places. But there's no Roundup. It's never been sprayed with Roundup. Like, like oh, it, It's as clean as I had to make it. Because I have two young kids yeah. and they're sensitive to this kind of yeah. stuff. Like all children are. Mine aren't more sensitive they're they're just supposed to be growing up in this environment, and it's probably yeah. good for me too, given that I'm flying 120 days of the year. So, yeah, yeah, I, I do I do too a lot. Let me ask you about that because you're you're 77 years old. You look yes. you look mm-hmm. really healthy. It's hard on me to fly that much. Yes. But how do mm-hmm. you stay healthy when you fly? Like, what do you do before you get on an airplane when you're in the air and when you land? I, I have to know because almost sure. no well, one can fly. Trip. <laughs> Last year, I flew um, 155,000 miles Dang. On, Ameri- on, on American <laughs> Airline. So uh, here's what I do. Now, I'm 77, but I'm enjoying the goal of every senior. Everything works and nothing hurts. 
<laughs> that's, that's the goal I have for the seniors in my practice. So uh, what I do prior to, the, prior to the flight, all right, I make a big smoothie. I take 13 ingredients and I make a smoothie and I sip on it on the way to the airport. So I am loading my body and brain with antioxidants <laughs> because I'm going to be up there with radiation yeah. getting, shall we say, oxidized. And then when I um, uh, get to the gate and get through the gate, I walk around a lot and I I do what I call isometrics, where you're standing tense and you, you put your arms together and you stand on your toes and you just really uh, get, that, get the blood moving. In fact, I was doing that before a, a flight one time and one of the uh, flight attendants came up and said, sir, if you're afraid of flying, <laughs> uh, we have counselors for that because I was doing this tense exercise. And then when I get on the plane, I do isometrics. I lift the, uh, I can oh, get a good workout. I lift the, my legs up and put the heels together and flex my pecs and flex all the muscles, you know, about every five minutes. Do a little uh, one minute of, of isometrics. I take lots of deep breaths. And when, uh, and as interesting, there's been a study showing that pilots, if they load themselves up with antioxidants, have less effects from radiation, antioxidants, yeah. fruits and vegetables, like you mentioned so much throughout your Bulletproof Diet book. And, and then when I, uh, where I stay, I only stay at hotels with open windows, fresh air. <laughs> Me too. I, I, I would like to say that, but my, my yeah. assistant says, so it, it's like, prioritize that, yes. It's very hard. Uh, have a pool, have a gym, and I also take my exercise bands. You know, the bands, I put yeah. those in a suitcase. And sometimes when the flight is late or delayed, I'll go in the men's room and have a little workout <laughs> on my exercise bands. <laughs> so those are just some, uh, uh, you know, good um, little travel tips. I pick a baggie of nuts and, and nibble on nuts as a snack. Uh, it it makes so much sense. I, I take a big fistful of uh, plant based antioxidants when I when I travel as well, and I, mm -hmm. I always make sure I have ketones present uh, using brain octane. So I I will yeah. go through the gate and then I'll go to the the usually it's a Starbucks at the airport. Starbucks has the best water filters of any coffee company. Oh, uh, it's good to know. Good. Yeah, for the hot water at least. So great. Yeah, uh, great. They're, they're very strict about that. I know because I hired three of the first 10 Starbucks employees <laughs> at, at Bulletproof. Uh, and then, uh, so I was going to say, can I get some hot water? And I tip them really well. And then I pour my mm -hmm. own coffee, ground coffee, and I brew my oh, coffee. good for you. And I shake it up, but I want the brain octane. So I do that yeah. and my fistful of antioxidants before I get on. And coffee yeah. itself has the polyphenols. Because if you're in the air with the bad, the bad air that's recirculated, Mm -hmm. Everything's covered in endocrine disruptors and flame retardants, and you're breathing oh, yeah. God knows what jet exhaust. Yeah. You, you got to protect oh, yeah. yourself, right? Oh, oh, you really do. And and you know that that's see that's the thing. The the and, and really the older we get, the more we have to protect ourselves. And one of the things too, a travel. See, travel. You're out of your comfort zone at home. You're out of your kitchen. Let's call it that. You're out of yeah. your. You're away from your farm. Yeah. So there's that tendency to go down that big pig out buffet when you travel. So I have a, I have a little what I call my rule of twos. Eat twice as often, 
eat half as much, and chew twice as long. The smaller your meal, the better you'll feel. And so even when I travel, I try to keep those smaller meals because it's so hard. I mean, you're going out to dinner with friends or after a lecture. I'm sure you're tired. You're very tired and hungry after a lecture. Takes a lot of energy. So takes a lot of energy. So it's very hard not to, shall we say, pig out (laughs) uh, when you travel. Now, I I practice intermittent fasting uh, quite often when I travel. And that usually means I do have a big meal, but it, it's kind of two big meals in the day. So like I might have bulletproof coffee for breakfast or no breakfast, and then mm-hmm. I'll have a, a sizable lunch and a, a moderate to sizable dinner, but with a, a couple thousand calories at least. Is mm-hmm. that something you'd recommend or not recommend? It's fine to say it's not what you'd recommend, but I'm just I'm curious. Well, it, it, it's something that I personally am not a fan of. Yep. However... See, what I've learned is, and I, I don't like these books that say, you know, never eat this, never, you know, intermittent fasting. I have several patients in my office who swear by it. It works. For some people. <laughs> I, it really works for some people. And, and, and again, see, good, it, when it works, good sense. See, what you're doing with intermittent fasting, you're... Giving the mitochondria, you mentioned mitochondria. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I love those little, those little energy batteries. Yeah, we'll talk you know, more mitoc- about those. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk, and, Tell me more. And, but with intermittent fasting, what you're doing is lowering spikes. See, spikes, avoid spikes. And, mm-hmm. and I teach this in my office. I, uh, so maybe I'll do that now. We have, um, let's say we have George the Gorger. All right, George the Gorger and, and our listeners, sorry, men, that we'll, we'll use men as the not-too-healthy gender and the ladies as the picture of health. That's for political reasons. But say George the Gorger, George doesn't intermittent fast. He just gorges. Yeah. Big plates, big fries, fast eater, fast, fast eater. Well, within an hour, George's spikes, sticky stuff spikes in his blood go way up, and the blood flow to the brain quivers. You don't want that. The blood flow to the heart, the blood flow to the joints, the gut, the, blood, the, the, the vessels are in spasm from high spikes. But grazy the grazer or grazy the intermittent faster does not spike. So the simplest I can make the effect of intermittent spiking, uh, intermittent fasting, it it avoids insulin spikes. See, avoiding insulin spikes, if somebody say, give me health in, in um, three words, I would choose avoid insulin spikes. <laughs> and that's it, what intermittent fasting does. It, it's awesome because I, I came to the same conclusion after reading Gary Taub's book um, mm-hmm. and also just, book. just meeting Gary Taub's. He spoke at the anti-aging nonprofit group that I run. And uh, I, I was like, okay, there's something to be said for keeping insulin low. So what can I eat in the morning that has zero insulin effect? And the answer is fat. And that was fat, one exactly. of the things behind Bulletproof Coffee. And it's been measured by yeah. third parties. There's zero insulin effect. So I don't get an insulin spike. And I, all yeah. the pancreas can relax. And there's no protein digestion, which also causes insulin. And, and that, that yeah. was one of the, the ideas that came together into making that, that what would you do? And the other one came from uh, Robert Atkins, you know, the old... Yes. The old uh, 
induction fat, period where you tell you fat eat, guy yeah you know, like, like two ounces of cream cheese or something but there's reasons not to do that but it oh. it, it did come together so I, I love that idea of avoid spikes what other spikes besides insulin should we avoid though well uh sugar spikes so okay. you, Glucose. you you met you, you mentioned you mentioned the magic word there of health relax <laughs> so say uh let's talk uh, let's talk about your arteries again mm-hmm. because there's uh, a medical truism that every organ in our body is only as healthy as the blood supply to it. Mm-hmm. So if our vessels are healthy, our organs are healthy. So when you eat, say, uh, uh, drink a cola. Let's, 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 let me start with the worst spike you get. A cola, sugar water, mm-hmm. bad stuff. You drink a cola, you spike you eat an egg, for example, which is fat and protein, and you don't spike. And so if I were a blood vessel and could talk to the egg eater, I would say, thank you. Relax, man. I'm relaxing my vessels. When my vessels are relaxed, they're, they're open more. I get more blood flow to the brain. So the fat and protein says to the arteries, relax, man. But the cola that you guzzle says, Be pair, prepare for a spike, and you're going to quiver, and you're going to get more narrow. You're not relaxing. So I love that. And in fact, you're, maybe your bulletproof diet could just somehow saying, relax, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> relax well, your blood vessels. Stress does affect blood vessels, any kind of stress. Even you know, if you have a bad relationship, it, it will Absolutely. be reflected in yeah. the endothelium. Now. I want to ask about inflammation in general more, but let's zoom in for, for listeners. What can you do to make your endothelium healthier quickly? All right. Um, two very simple things. I, one, I call it my, five, my 5S diet in the inflammation book. Uh, salmon, seafood, so, wild sockeye salmon, you mentioned. Yep. Smoothies, a shake a day relaxes endothelium that way. That's made out of uh, sugar, uh, bananas. Oh, lots of fruits. What do you put Dave, in Dave, your mother told you that. Put more color on your plate in your okay. smoothie. So Polyphenols I put, then. I, I have, yes. Okay. You know, uh, berries. Wow, berries, fabulous stuff. Berries, I put, a, I put avocado, mm-hmm. uh, coconut oil, and nut butters. There you go. That's in a good my smoothie. smoothie. Yeah. Three fats there on a on a on a very busy day, a high energy day, like in my office. I I put those three fats. Then I put four different berries. I put kale in it. I and and I put um, a, a good protein powder. And I put kefir is my favorite. Kefir or green tea is my favorite fluid. And I get pomegranates when they're in season, and I nice. scoop out one whole pomegranate and throw that in, and then I sip on my smoothie throughout the day. And then the fourth is snacks, the rule of two. So eat twice as often, half as much, and chew twice as long. And then the next is supplements. Three main supplements is omega-3 supplements if you don't like fish, uh, fruit and vegetable supplements if you don't eat 10 um, fistfuls a day, and then if you don't like salmon, uh, Hawaiian astaxanthin supplement, a anti-inflammatory. So for, first of all, to, to um, keep down the sticky stuff, to keep the endothelium open, 
the 5S diet, which is a plant-based diet and seafood. Not a vegan diet, but plant-based and seafood. The secondly is movement. Now, I want to go... I want to really show you some fascinating mm-hmm. new studies. You go to the doctor and says, Joe, you got to move more, man. You're a sitter. You got to be a mover. They don't tell you why. So let's go back into the blood vessel and picture that blood vessel with the, with the silver lining and all those trillions of squirt bottles. When you move, when you jog, when you dance, when you run, or you just walk fast, the faster blood flow over the tops of the medicine bottles creates a energy field called a shear force, and it pops the medicine bottles open. <laughs> so next time you're on a treadmill or walking with friends, just think, I'm opening my medicine bottles. And if you really want to shock your friends in the gym on the treadmill next to you, say, oh, it feels so good to be making my own medicines and opening my medicine bottles. Or you could really shock them and say, it feels so good to be growing my brain garden because one of the medicines you make when you move is called brain growth factor, (laughs) fertilizer for our brain garden. So you could just say, I'm fertilizing my brain garden when I'm running. Oh, so so much knowledge there. So the, the brain growth factor is uh, is part of the, the brain-derived nootropic factor, right? BDNF. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. I, I write about that in Headstrong. And we Good. are actually launching a, a supplement called Neuromaster that increases BDNF four times more than exercise. Wow. So Whoa. my it's, it's a polyphenol extract of the fruit of coffee rather than the coffee beans. It turns out that all that yeah. bright red coffee cherries, are they have usefulness mm-hmm. stuff if you don't let them spoil during coffee processing. So we can take those yeah. and pull out this one compound that's clinically studied to raise BDNF. So Good. Like my Good hip, for you. My hippocampal volume at 44 is in the 86th percentile. And for people listening, <laughs> that means the oh, size wow. of my brain structure that shrinks when you age, it's not shrinking yeah. because of the practices that are in the Bulletproof Diet and raising BDNF oh, with God. exercise. <laughs> and then shear force. I'm so glad you're doing the shear force, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, shear forces. Uh, this morning, I spent 18 minutes on the Bulletproof Vibe right before our interview. This is a whole body vibration platform that we manufacture. 30 times a second, it goes up and down, and it creates wow. a shear force kind of like a trampoline would, but a trampoline's once a second. This is 30 times a second, and you bend mm-hmm. your legs a little bit, but it's creating this systemic vibration, which absolutely has endothelial effects. Yes, uh, yes. And, and I did it in front of a tanning lamp that's high in UVB and low in UVA because ultraviolet light also has some effects on mitochondria and even on your endothelial layer by, by releasing nitric oxide. Yes. Uh, so, so there's there's so much you can do, but oh yeah, even just a walk is enough, right? Well, a, a fast walk. See, okay. it, in order to get that shear force you mentioned, yeah, the blood has to travel fairly fast over the medicine bottles to create that shear force, mm-hmm. and and as you say, it's nitric oxide. And what what you mentioned that that's the medicine we're making. And I'll tell you a little story. I was um, giving a talk in Nashville last year of the music capital of the country, I thought I was going to walk in and talk to a group of of adults. I go in, and there are 150 children. Wow. So I had to kind of make it childlike. So I changed the title to A Visit to Veggie Land. And Veggie Land was your brain. And health makes beautiful music. You, you, You think of your brain like a symphony orchestra. 
and it has about a hundred different players in that orchestra. And insulin is your master conductor. And brain growth factor is another master conductor. So when those conductors are right on, all your neurohormones or neurotransmitters all come together and play beautiful music. And let's call the conductor VEG, vascular endothelial growth factor, <laughs> because it makes more brain yeah. uh, growth. And so a little girl comes up to me afterwards by the name of Annabelle, and she says, Dr. Sears, I will always remember VEG. I will always remember to grow more bread, more veg for my brain, for my brain by moving more. Uh, when I get out and play and when I get out and run, I'll remember I'm growing more veg. It, it, kids are so cute. I, I posted a study they the are. other day on, on Facebook. They found that when boys are, when they get less than three hours of physical movement a day, their oh, math wow. and reading skills decline, <laughs> but not in mm -hmm. girls. Uh, even yes. though both both genders need that kind of exercise, but mm -hmm. it, it may be because it's mediated by VEGF. I, I don't think we know the mechanisms there. We just know if they don't move around, their brains don't work. You're exactly right. In fact, um, there's a study. I, I gave a talk there uh, in Nap Naperville, Illinois. And I grew up in the in the big uh, sticky food eating Midwest. So, But this mm -hmm. study came out of Naperville, Illinois, where they took kids... Uh, high school kids who had some of the D's, ADD, ADHD, and all this stuff, and they brought them to school a half hour early, and they ran them around the track. <laughs> Many of them could come off their meds. Their, their uh, test scores went way up, and the teachers said, what is going on? And they found that the more the students move, the better they did in class. And, and, and I'll tell you my own little ADHD story. This is going back 60-some-odd years. Way back in, in, in the fourth grade, my fourth grade teacher, Sister Mary Ursula. Ursula means little bear in Latin. Now, little bear had my number. She said, Billy, you're staring out the window, because I wanted to be out the window. You're, you're staring out the window, and you're fidgeting. Go outside and run around the schoolyard three times and come back and sit still. That was my Ritalin. It worked like a charm. Fast forward now to, to this year, the number one medicine for the Ds, ADD, ADHD, and school problems and all, a little four-letter word, move, move more. When they took recess out of school, the Ritalin dosage went up. Yeah. I think there's a correlation. So, so what you're saying is that, that you can just substitute Ritalin for recess to save time and be more effective on standardized tests? Oh, yeah. No, the, the, <laughs> the, more, <laughs> the more kids, yes. The more kids, the more kids move. Like yeah. we, had, we had a rule in our house. You might do what it says. That sitting equals moving. Yeah. The more time you sit playing video games, that must equal the time you spent moving. And in fact, I remember one of our kids, I love these new uh, techy, tech stuff that's coming out, where kids are actually moving, like jumping on a trampoline or dancing to yeah. get to the videos. I love those dance revolution type of videos. My kids are allowed to play that even though they're in a Waldorf school, they're not really supposed to. 
But I tell you, my, yeah. my kids have the moves. Like They can outdance oh. me because these video games show oh. their brain and their body work together when they do that, and, and they oh. move. It's healthy. But you mentioned the magic move, dance. Actually, um, when, I read, when I read the research, how, much, uh, how dancers have a much lower incidence of Alzheimer's, we took up dancing. My wife and I took up dancing. And we're very accomplished ballroom dancers oh, cool. now. And, and I uh, see dancing, Dave, it's not only the movement, but you have to coordinate the music. Now, I'm a klutz. My <laughs> wife's a very good dancer. I'm, I'm a klutz. And so when we started out, I had to hold a cue card behind her back and follow the cue card as I was dancing before I got the rhythm. But dance, I, I can't think of a, my, my two favorite exercises are swimming and dancing. And it, one of the things about That's dancing, great. you have to move over the center line of the body. There's cross-patterning, which increases exactly. the corpus callosum. Uh, You're right. The, the other one like that, that that I would suggest for listeners is ping pong. And oh, that, yes. that came from Daniel Amen, uh, who's, mm -hmm. who's a friend. And uh, I went and I saw him, and he's like, Dave, for your brain play ping pong so i bought a ping pong robot and i and it mm -hmm. serves ping pong balls really fast and you can sit there and kind of try and do the bruce lee thing yeah but because you have to think and move across the midline at least for my brain where i didn't learn to move well as a kid i read at 18 months so i was just reading as a kid instead of crawling and doing all this other stuff yeah. and so some of like i'm i'm a klutz to my dancing it's improved recently <laughs> but it's it's about as good as my singing and rapping which is pretty, <laughs> <I know. laughs> pretty limited we'll put it that way we won't sing for our listeners then uh, okay. I, I, I did by the way so i i, I shot <clears throat> my first rap Recently, I'm not I'm not a rapper or even into the genre particularly, but a good friend is. So to promote Headstrong, we filmed a real and like recorded a real rap with like real people who know how to do it, yeah. it, it which for me was a cognitive challenge, like pushing your limits. So mm -hmm. people will eventually be able to see this on YouTube where I'm completely making a fool of myself. But it was for a good cause. How headstrong am I? Can I take up something uh, yeah. I know nothing about and then good, only good fail for a little you. bit? I'm so I'm so glad you mentioned ping pong, because in, in, we have a new book coming out called Transform Five: Making oh, cool. Make uh, Make Over Your Mind and Body Five Changes in Five Weeks. And and one of the, we have a list of favorite of of best exercises for your brain. Oh, we cool. have dance, read that. dance, and ping pong, because you have to react very quickly. Yeah. So I'm so glad you mentioned ping pong, and. Uh, another thing I hope, I'm sure in, in Headstrong, you're going to talk a lot about meditation. <laughs> oh, it's, it's giant. In fact, it, I, I run oh, the world's highest oh, in neurofeedback meditation clinic, like a five-day focus program with clinical-grade electrodes on your head. It's oh, changed good my for life. You. Like that, that's, yeah, it's called uh, 40 Years of Zen. It's outside of Bulletproof, but it, it's, it's big. <laughs> oh, good. Well, good for you. See, that, see what, what, what you're talking about. See, you know, we haven't mentioned any prescription medicines. Yeah. What we're talking about is what I call the pills and skills model. Skills before pills. Now, we all know that you will reach a point where you do need some pills yeah. and you need, need supplements, but pills and skills. And one of those beautiful skills is the way we start the day. If your brain could prompt you, which it sounds like it has for you, it would say, Start the day a beautiful way by meditation.
So, and everybody has their own way. Yeah. What I love is called, I call it swimming meditation. Uh, there's actually a name called, uh, for it called flotation therapy. Oh, in, in a, you, a flotation chamber? Uh, no, I, I do it just in the pool. Okay. But you can, there's a, in a chamber too, but, but you get in a pool and you do, and the breaststroke is the easiest, and you time the breaststroke to your mantra. Wow, like, I've never heard of this, but it's so yes, smart. I love my life. I love my wife. Uh, guide me today, or something where you're swimming in the rhythm of what you're thinking. That's powerful. It wow. Is a fabulous way to start the day. There's something I learned in Tibet called a walking meditation, where you walk really slowly yes. with full awareness of each step and you repeat a mantra. But doing mm -hmm. it swimming puts you in a, a more of a, a parasympathetic, more of like a prenatal thing. Swimming does something to your nervous system like you had when you're in the womb. You're more programmable in water, basically. So exactly, yeah. Wow, that that is no one's ever mentioned that. Like in 360 episodes, you're the first person. That's awesome, Bill. Really, I, I no it, it's like uh, that's why that's why swimming is the best exercise for during pregnancy for the women. But it's a flotation therapy, and and see the reason is I think it's it's walking. Walking is great too. Yeah, walk a lot, but with swimming. Your, your natural floating, there's a natural rhythm. So you can uh, periodically just stop and kick your feet. And I call it mind mute. Mm -hmm. I just mute my mind for maybe five or 10 seconds as you're dangling and floating. And then you get back to your mantra. And the, 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 the rhythm in the pool is, I think, much more brain-friendly for meditation than maybe walking, although a good old walk in the woods, you can't beat that. I, I believe you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it reminds me too, I, I filmed a documentary on toxic mold exposure from the environment, which is, in, in my experience, the single biggest mitochondrial poisoning happening in the world, other than maybe glyphosate. Yes. Uh, thank you, Monsanto, for spraying it on everything. But, oh. but those, mm. those things are, are such a problem. And one of the people I filmed was on a walker she could barely move and mm. what she would do is she would drag her walker to the swimming pool fall into the water and then when <sighs> she was in the water she could swim and she'd swim two laps climb out and walk and go about her day without the walker right? oh it, wow it was a, See, that, it's that profound. is fabulous <laughs> it's profound it's a good word for it because that's why i think it's law now that every pool especially public pools must have a lift yeah, a, a electric lift. So if you are handicapped, you just sit there. In fact, uh, I was kidding my wife one day. I said, when I get too old to walk, just dump me in the pool in the morning and pick me up in the evening and let it's, me float around. It's perfect. And, and for her, the, the neurological effect of floating and kicking oh, turned her yeah. nervous system back on and she was able to function only if she swam every day. And it, Absolutely. what a weird symptom from mitochondrial poisoning, but it, it goes down to uh, oh, yeah. your your brain and just being rewired. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, there's also uh, flotation tanks, and I have one downstairs, yes. the ones with Epsom salt, where you can just kind of close yes. your eyes and float uh, as mm -hmm. as a, a way of accelerating meditation. But I I find it's there are probably faster ways to do that with with feedback than there are just from minimizing noise. Yeah. 
Do you do you uh, recommend those? Do you use flotation? Tanks? I, I do. Okay. Yes, I, I do, and um, I, I don't have one. But as I mentioned earlier, the the I periodically, maybe oh, every ten minutes during my half hour fl- uh, swim, I will pretend I'm sort of in a tank, and just go to the deep end. Or sometimes the uh, deep end where I can just put my toe on the very bottom and just sort of dangle. See, the beautiful thing about a tank is you can dangle. Mm-hmm. It's that weightless dangle feeling that mutes your mind. I think when you take pressure off your body, you take pressure off your mind. So, yeah. yes, I'm a, a real favor of those tanks. What, what about cold? Do you ever do ice baths, cold showers, uh, rolling in snow and getting in saunas, any of that kind of weird stuff? I, I do. I, okay. In fact, it sounds like we, we're weird in the same way, Dave. <laughs> I, I interviewed Wim Hof yes, the other I, day, the Iceman, about this. And, yeah, so, so you do uh, when, we were in, when we were fishing in Alaska on a fishing boat, we went up next to an iceberg. And I just couldn't resist. I put my Speedos on, although my... My uh, daughters say, Dad, you're too old for Speedos. I say, nonsense. So I put my Speedos on, and I jumped in the icy water right next to the iceberg. No, 10 seconds. Isn't that, that, isn't that where the great whites swim? Okay. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I can outswim them. You were uh, but, uh, Yeah, but, you know, in and out. But it's interesting. Some resorts have plunge pools yeah. where you, you go in a, a hot tub and then you go into a cold tub it's extremely um invigorating and then relaxing so i i love that uh cold therapy the the idea of calling it relaxing i mean most people listening who've never tried this are going it's not relaxing it feels like you're gonna die but there there's something weird that happens i've got a tank that that gets me up to my neck if i'm sitting and it has a digital chiller on it so I it, it's oh. because well I the the clinical tanks are very expensive so I bought an agricultural livestock tank and plumbed it up myself but the, the <laughs> digital chiller is the cool part so I dial in sixty yeah. degrees and you get in there and at first you're like I'm gonna die and then five minutes later yeah. you feel like you're in a hot tub like like everything's just tingly yeah. and good it, it's it's very odd yeah. oh it, it odd is a good word for it but it's it's after uh, how do you after, do you feel afterwards maybe uh, five minutes later. A different feeling of a relaxation? Yeah, something really good happens. And, and yeah. I believe it's because your mitochondria shrink and the electron transport chain becomes more efficient and you get all sorts of opiates that are released. But it, it's, a, it's a powerful thing, even though you're cold for a while. Like people yeah. who hug you, be like, you feel colder, but yeah. you feel better. It, it's kind of strange. Exactly. Exactly. I did this once uh, when I was doing the research for the Bulletproof Diet. I was in Las Vegas and I had a really stressful flights all over the place. So I did an ice bath in in my tub in the hotel. And then I went out to a party from some big technology vendor. This is when I was still working in computer security. And it turns out they had like one of the Playboy Playmates of the Year and, and all these like incredibly attractive women there and a bunch of like old married white guys from the computer security industry, which which is like a, a, a party of geeks. Like it was it was funny. Yeah. And so I I got a hug from uh, from one of the women and I'm forgetting her name right now, but she was really cool. We talked about skincare, but uh, she gave me a hug and she was ah, like, "You're really cold." I'm like, "Oh, I, I forgot I was doing an ice bath." But she, she was like, "I'm hugging a corpse. What's going on with this?" I'm like, "No, I feel really good. I promise." <laughs> so yeah, it was funny. Yeah, yeah it's, it's you know it's it's um, see what what uh, 
nature. What is the, um, well, we, we have um, a little chapter on a book, The Healing, uh, it's called Go Outside and Play is yeah. the name of the chapter. Yeah. And like Dr. Mom said, you remember Dr. Mom, our, our mother's uh, uh, medicine for boredom and bad behavior? What's that? Go outside and play. Yeah. Yeah, I, my mom used to go outside and play. Well, it's interesting, the healing effects of nature. And and we learned that over in Japan. I was lecturing in Japan on brain health. And um, after one of the lectures, one of our guest says, now we're going to take you and Mrs. Sears out for some, some Shinrin Yoku, which I thought was a drink. Yeah, it sounds so, like a good sake. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> well, I was you know tired after lecturing all day. And so we get in the car and we drive up to a mountaintop into the woods with pine trees and you can feel the, the humidity, the coolness and all. And he says, and we're going to walk around in the woods for half hour and then get back in the car. Wow. Nature therapy, the healing yeah. effects of just a simple walk in the woods. Wow. I, I specifically live in a forest so that, that that's Good. out the window to Good. my left here is yes. you know, the path that goes down and winds through. We don't have quite ancient stuff because years ago someone cut down all the really big trees and sold them. <laughs> but we have you know, 50 and 80 year old trees, but there's, they're yeah. young by local standards. Yes. And there's a book called The Secret Life of Trees. Have you ever heard I of read this? it. You I read, read it. 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 I read it on the airplane the other day. It's it's yeah, a fascinating it's wonderful. book. And forest bathing, oh, like there's it. wisdom in those trees. Like they, yeah, the they're forest alive. bathing, exactly. Exactly. It's forest bathing. And yeah. there's that that's what Shinrin Yoku in Jap in Japan, probably not pronounced it right, uh, means forest bathing. Yeah. And wow, that's that's uh, trees. And and uh, actually, I'll tell you a tree story then, since we're talking about sure. trees. I was over lecturing in uh, in Singapore last year. And we went into this, what they call a billion-dollar garden. It was a big greenhouse, cost a billion dollars to build. They had all the, the best architects in the world, the best, uh, all the plant experts and everything. But after they finished, they noticed the trees and the plants were dying. Now, this is, they had all the architecture and everything. And somebody figured out, well, we're feeding them properly, we're fertilizing, we're doing everything they do in nature, but they're dying. And then one smart um, person said, you know what? Notice the trees. They don't move. Ah. The leaves are still. So then they put fans to let the trees move a little bit, and they flourished. Yeah. And it's almost like, gosh, we can take a lesson from, I call it lesson from leaves, that if you are still too much, sit too much and don't move, you wither. If you move, you flourish. So that's a lesson from leaves. It, it's interesting. Humans and trees and all animals, uh, the water in our cells is different. And yeah. the guy who discovered this, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Gerald Pollack, spoke at the Bulletproof Conference last year. Oh, good, yeah. About exclusion zone water. And it turns out the two things that are going to make it are movement and infrared light. So when you oh, put trees yeah. under LED lights with no infrared, they don't get it. And when they have no movement from wind, they don't get it. And yes. their sap is the wrong viscosity. And when uh -huh. we yes. don't get it, our blood, and more importantly, the water that allows these batteries in our cells to work is also the wrong viscosity. It's too thick mm -hmm. or, or not thick enough.
And, and so it, it's really interesting to try and put together your own forest when we're still understanding like mitochondrial dynamics and, and maybe don't really have a full grasp of everything mitochondria do yet. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but you know what's interesting, very simply, um, and, and we, we write a lot about mitochondria, I call it Mighty Mitochondria, right. you know? In fact, that's the name of a chapter in what, my new book. <laughs> Mighty Mitochondria, yeah. and, and the little mitos, and when you, when, you, when you feed them, and you see, the cell, we're, we're, uh, two, two things, are, we're only as healthy as the blood vessels feeding our organs, but every organ's only as healthy as every cell in it. Mm-hmm. And every cell is only healthy as the health of the mitochondria in the cell. So you take care of the cell membrane, that package of the cell, and the mitochondria function better, and you don't get mitochondrial dysfunction, another dysfunction. And you know what the membrane is made of mostly? Fat. Yes. Getting back to the healthy fat. Undamaged fat, not fried fat, Undamaged not margarine. Undamaged fat, <laughs> right. Good fats that says, you know, we're going to let in the good stuff for the mitochondria, and we're going to kick out the bad stuff. Take care of your cellular membranes. Yeah. Uh, if, if people uh, regularly got lab tests for their cell membrane function, uh, oh, yeah. they'd be scared. And I actually got one done recently. I wish I could remember the name of the lab offhand, <laughs> but uh, I, I did a, a very comprehensive panel, probably the most comprehensive I've ever done with a full body fMRI and DEXA and, and everything. Yeah. And um, they said I had one of the, the better cell membrane functionings of, uh, like it's very unusual for someone in your age and profession to have functioning yeah. cell membranes. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it's by design. By design, absolutely. See, and again, um, if, I can imagine if I'd said that to my patients, hey, you have a cell membrane dysfunction, they wouldn't have a clue what I'm talking about. But that's right. If your cell membranes are not keeping out the bad stuff and not letting in the good stuff, those mito- the, the energy batteries, they, that's why we get sick and tired. Basically, yeah. mitochondrial dysfunction is why we get sick and tired. Now, I, in fact, and, and when it works really well, that's when your brain works. That, that's the, the whole point. But you, you absolutely get this. I, I, I love chatting with you about it. I have a question about other endothelial healing techniques because I've been targeting my endothelium for a long time because when I was 26, 27, I had uh, some lab works done. I used to weigh 300 pounds and mm-hmm. I was exercising and I was eating you know, low fat, high carb, minimum calorie diet, all that crap that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, and lots of job stress and relationship stress and all that. Uh, but I had a, a very high risk of stroke and heart attack. I had high mm-hmm. fibrinogen. My blood would clot completely within ten seconds when it was taken out of the body, and, and they were worried. Yeah. And yeah. frankly, telling me that I was going to die like I was old when I was in before I was thirty was was really good because it made me go to an anti aging group, and like I learned yeah. a lot. But uh, I started looking at my endothelial system there. And one of the things back then, this is 10 plus years ago, that had good evidence for it was something called exercise with oxygen therapy. Is this something you've ever played with? You know, I, I haven't, Dave, but that make, it makes sense. It really makes sense. And, and what you mentioned about fibrinogen and clotting, 
this is an interesting story. This is how it was all discovered. Why there's why, see what you what you what you discovered is you had high levels of sticky stuff yes, in your blood. I did to make it simple. Sticky fibrinogens, a, a clotting fibrinogens like a net, mm-hmm. like a fish net. And it, it, it collects all the stuff and clogs your arteries. If it's too high, you want some of it so you don't bleed, but not too much. I was fishing with um, a doctor, Jorn Darberg, over in um, Norway about 10 years ago. And he told me the story how they discovered the blood thinning effect of salmon and fish oil. He went to, uh, this is way back when the, the low-fat diet came out and all that low-fat craze. Mm-hmm. And he says, something doesn't make sense here. Eskimos have the highest fat diet in the world, but the lowest incidence of heart disease. Hmm. So he hops on a plane, goes to Norway, uh, from Norway to, to Greenland, and, measure, and draws blood from the Eskimos. And he found that the Eskimo blood clotted half as fast as the same blood samples from Europeans and Americans. So the, and that was a a ha-ha discovery that fish oil, fat, fat actually thins the blood and lowers the level of the clotting factors. And that's why Eskimos don't get heart disease. <laughs> it's also why Eskimos get more nosebleeds uh, than, than you average. Know, uh, I, uh, you, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we've got some uh, um, connection here. I, I think it's called mirror neurons. Oh, there you go, because, exactly. <laughs> because I said, I asked Yorn now, was there any, you know, they, I, they, was there any problem you saw? He said, well, you know, it's kind of a nuisance they have a lot of nosebleeds. <laughs> wow. And I, th- and I thought it was due to the low humidity of the igloos, you know. But no, you're, you're right. Just a little side effect of, uh, of good medicine. I, I, growing up, I had at least 10 nosebleeds a day. And uh-huh. in my case, I lived in a basement that had stachybotrys, the toxic mold. And we didn't know at the time. No one knew that yeah. stuff in the 80s. And this is a symptom of that. I also had cognitive dysfunction and swelling and arthritis since I was 14 and all these other bad things that came from poisoning, slow poisoning of my mitochondria, uh, which is what those molds do. Mitochondria are bacteria. Molds and bacteria are ancient enemies and they fight each other. And what what was really interesting for me, though, is I became aware of what causes nosebleeds. So I can, to this day, if I go around certain species of mold that are inside, you know, water-damaged buildings that smell a bit off, within a Mm -hmm. day... Like, I'm like, God, I'm just nose bleeding. But if yeah. I take too much fish oil, even if I'm not exposed to mold, I'll get the same thing, just like gushing blood. So you can titrate sure. your blood based exactly. on how, how bright it is and how well it runs, which, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. And I see, I see you're, fa- you're fascinated with, with these new, exciting technology and lab tests. Actually, there's a brand new test where you, on a, a little finger stick, a drop of your blood, you can check the level of your omega-3s is, and your omega-6s. Is that from Z- the, ZRT or is it from another company? Do you know which this one? Is, uh, I know there are a bunch of them. Uh, Vital Choice makes one. Oh, that's right. Uh, I have omega one from Randy. Quant. Yeah, yeah, yeah Randy, Randy at Vital Choice. And just a little finger stick. And you put it on a little uh, envelope and mail it in. And it gives you your fat profile in your blood. How much uh, the level of omega threes, the level of omega sixes? Because one of the causes of inflammation is we are a country of inflammation imbalance. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the biggest causes is too much of omega-6s and not enough omega-3s. Omega-6s, they're they're necessary. They're essential fat, but they're like a neighborhood bully. (laughs) If you eat too much of them, then they use up all the enzymes and the omega-3s can't get into your cells. So uh, the uh, simple little test is, is I say, we're going to measure your omega balance. And say, really? Yeah, we're going to measure omega. uh, And and that's how also I get my the vegans in my practice, Mm -hmm. you know, in California. A lot of vegans. I say, okay, uh, vegan diet's extremely healthy. You'll probably live a lot longer. All the studies are good. But you could have an omega-3 deficiency because you don't eat fish. So let's measure your blood for your level of omega-3s, and most of them come back low, and that's how I motivate them to at least take an algae-based fish oil supplement. But my favorite mm-hmm. favorite is vegan plus, vegetarian plus seafood is, I guess, the diet that you and I are mostly on. It, it, um, it needs to be a big plate of vegetables. And, absolutely. And You've got to eat some fish. I'm like, and you, if you eat some grass-fed beef or lamb, it'll help you. But mm-hmm. I gave a talk at the, the largest raw vegan conference. This is the, the David Wolf conference uh, a while oh, back. Wow. And I said, guys, here's the deal with grass-fed ghee. It helps to accelerate the polyphenols from the vegetables. If you're a vegan, I was a raw vegan for a long time, and I ended mm-hmm. up getting problems from it. In fact, a lot of vegans do end up, as you know, developing things that go way beyond B12 deficiency. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and I just quit doing it because it didn't work for me. Uh, and it turns out there's environmental arguments against it as well, where if you don't have animals pooping on the soil, you're not going to like your vegan vegetables. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Like, it's this whole circle yeah, thing. right. <laughs> but... So I, I I really struggled with that. Just so I, I don't like to torture animals. I, like I that's why I know the guys who raise my cows and things like that. But I I gave this talk, and the next year I came back to the same conference and I said, "How many of you are eating ghee?" And three quarters of the room had added ghee or butter back into their vegan diet. Wonderful. And uh-huh. they felt better. They were warmer. Yeah. And and so yeah. it, it's like. I always struggle because it's fine. Eat, eating lots of vegetables is the right thing to do. Caring about animal oh. welfare, caring about soil, all that stuff is really good. Yeah. But if you're not getting some egg yolks, like gently cooked egg oh. yolks, and some grass-fed butter, you're not going to have functioning cell membranes. And then all that, that, that care that you put into your food, you're not putting into your body. And you're not going to function at the level you're capable of functioning as a human being trying to do the right thing. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned eggs because... Uh, eggs have been, shall we say, exonerated from. <laughs> remember, I, I, I shudder when I go in the into a, a restaurant uh, for breakfast and I say, "Egg white omelet, please." Well, man, you're missing the best part of the egg. Like, give me the you yolks. Don't get, <laughs> you don't get fat by eating fat again. So, uh, an egg, and and I do this in my office. I say, "All right, um, tomorrow when you're hungry, eat an egg. Say a, a hard-boiled egg or." A, nicely uh, cooked egg. Just eat an egg. 75 measly calories, okay, if you're a calorie counter, which I'm not. Um, Then next day, when you're same time, same hunger, eat a slice of white bread. Yeah. Same number of calories. And notice an hour later how you feel. From the egg, you're still, you're not hungry. You You feel good. You're hungry and a little bit foggy, 
an hour or two after the white bread because it's junk carbs. So an egg, oh, I eat an egg a day. I, I actually recommend, especially for women in the morning, uh, you yes. you want to get some protein, not not always, sometimes just fat's fine, but yeah. the top protein to put in Bulletproof coffee is uh, is the grass-fed collagen that I make, because collagen's an anti-inflammatory protein, like it, it's got powerful wow. stuff. But yeah. you can also, you, you blend the coffee first, which cools down a bit, you can crack two eggs into your coffee and blend it. And oh, I've got to try that. It, it doesn't make chunks or anything gross. Oh. It's not like a smoothie. It actually just disappears. Uh, and wow. you're like, oh, the, the coffee's creamy like it was before. But you just got all the egg goodness, and it wasn't even damaged by frying it or, or overcooking it. And yes. you just drink it, and it's it basically just makes the coffee even more rich in protein and then phospholipids, these healthy fats. It's a, yeah. it's a kind of a cool hack. Do, do you feel good after eating an egg? You know, I, my imagination, I do. I, I feel always terrific. felt amazing from eggs, and then I went on on the the pseudo Eskimo diet during my research for the bulletproof diet. And I, uh, I mean, a- egg yolks especially like restored my wife's fertility. I, I they're such a core part of of becoming strong. Uh, when I went on a zero carb diet, like one serving of vegetables a day and tons of fat and, and protein, I actually developed an allergy to eggs because I couldn't make the the mucus Ooh. lining of my gut. And I'm about seventy percent done with it, but I still have a small reaction to them. So I don't. I actually feel angry when I eat eggs now. <laughs> yeah, but I used to actually, feel good. Uh, it's called micro exposures. If yeah. you start eating a little bit of an egg each day, you'll gradually your immune system will say, "Okay, welcome back, egg." Yeah. But yeah, actually, what I little secret uh, before a lecture, as as you and I know, lectures wear you out. They do. You know, you're yeah. mentally really tired. I love doing them, but they're tiring. Yeah. So I slip if, say, I have a 7 o'clock evening lecture. I'll go to the men's room or someplace I can hide at 6.30, and I'll eat a, a hard-boiled egg. Mm-hmm. That's my before-lecture snack. It, it doesn't fill me up, so I'm feeling too full, but it lasts an hour, hour and a half as a perfect— uh, yeah. I just love eggs for a snack— all right, I've got to send you something else. Uh, I'm going to send you the Bulletproof <laughs> Collagen Bars. These have that oh, brain good. octane oil good, in them. Good, 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 and good. It's, good. And, only, and they have two grams of carbs that come from the cashews, the raw cashews they're made with. And okay. uh, this is what I, I do now, partly because I, I develop my egg sensitivity that I'm still hacking, but also yeah. the oil in it raises <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. your ketone levels. So you get ketones oh. to feed the neurons while mm-hmm. you're while you're lecturing, and for me that that's yeah. been that's been a big thing. So we'll send you some of these just because like like as a portable food, sometimes you can't get a hard boiled egg or it's not organic and whatever. Uh, it's changed yeah. my travel pretty radically. So I'll uh, I'll send uh, it. It'd be my pleasure to send you some. You know that's good because see those are the fats that the brain loves yeah. because they can use them real fast. Yeah. And you're probably a fan of olive oil too. Absolutely right. I love my, in fact, a salad. We, talk, we talked about salads earlier. Here, here's my little trick, a little favorite. Um, I have a salad every day, uh, in the evening usually, but uh, twice a week I make a hot salad. I just make the same salad, <laughs> big salad, and I put it in a steamer mm-hmm. for, for two minutes. And then I take it out and I drizzle a tablespoon of olive oil on it. And then I put turmeric Mm-hmm. and black pepper on it. Turmeric and black pepper. Turmeric's your top anti-inflammatory spice. Yep. And you pair it with black pepper, and it increases the absorption. And that's my hot salad. And I 
I eat I, I eat it with chopsticks. That's our, our that's our biggest waste weight management tool that we use in our medical practice. Chopsticks. Is we say no fork, <laughs> use a chopstick, especially for these, you know, big guys who are gorgers. And I tell their wives, I say, hide all the forks. <laughs> Make that's them funny. use a chopstick. <laughs> It will slow him down. And, and I actually thought of that when I was giving a talk over in China a couple of years ago. I was invited by the Chinese government to give a talk. I said, why? They said, because the Chinese are eating like Americans and they're getting sick like Americans. So please come over and talk about it. So the, at the end of the talk, one of the Chinese doctors said, um, Dr. Sears, why do Americans eat so much so fast? I said, bingo. You pinpointed our problem. Absolutely. So I, I think I'll try to make a law against forks and make everybody use chopsticks. I was kind of kidding, but I thought that's not a bad idea. So you, you uh, listeners might try that. All right. You know, put away the fork, use a chopstick. You'll enjoy each bite. We call it choo-choo times two. <laughs> uh, and uh, the micro, we have, we're doing a little book on, on, micro, on the microbiome too, the, the gut bugs. And uh, uh, I, I, I tell my, I have a little picture in my office showing the kids the gut bugs, the microbiome. And um, I have a little saying, the better you chew, the better you poo. <laughs> you I, know, the, the kids, because the kids are coming in with constipation all the time. So the only way I can get them to, to chew longer instead of gorging their food is by <laughs> going down to their level and say the the, the the better you chew, the better you poo. <laughs> I, I love that. And, and we're coming up on the end of the interview. And, and there's a question that I, I'm really eager to hear your answer to. It's something I've asked every guest on the show. And it's if someone came to you tomorrow and they said, all right, Dr. Bill Sears, I want to perform better at everything I do throughout my day, throughout my life. What are the three most important things that I need to know? Like, like what would you offer them? Uh Eat real foods, meditate more, agitate less, move more, sit less. Those are my three. I love it. Well, well th thank you so much for a fascinating, <laughs> uh, far-ranging, far-reaching interview. Uh, quite a lot of fun. And uh, people can find out more about you by looking at your new book, which is called... Uh, the, the, the Inflammation Solutions, okay. our newest. And then we have a new one coming out in a few months called the uh, Transform 5. But they can learn all about it. We have our website, AskDrSears.com, okay. or our wellness institute, uh, the Dr. Sears Wellness Institute.org. Okay. And uh, Dave, it's been a real pleasure. We... Uh, you know, one of the reasons that we do all these book writings and everything, I call it the helper's high. Yeah. I think if, if you and I, from what we had to say today, can change the lives of maybe a few hundred people out there who live happier and longer, then we go to bed tonight with that extra dose of helper's high. Yeah, very well said. Uh, that's, that's why I started the show. It's why I started this whole company. And it's why mm -hmm. you do what you do very obviously. Yes. So, well, and thanks for all your helping. Thanks for your work. I'm, I'm certainly familiar with it. And even in my Better Baby book, I, I'm sure I've read some of your things and, <laughs> and learned from them. So uh, you've, you've made a difference on literally millions of people. So thank you for being on Bulletproof Radio. Thank you, Dave.
A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.